Fight Rocket Entertainment, podcast number 763. This is Butch Thompson. You're listening to the AU Wishbone Podcast. Auburn fans took over a construction site and saw a team that is building something. The AU Wishbone is next. You are listening to the AU Wishbone, almost credible sports discussion on the War Eagle Sports Radio Network. From the palatial White Rocket Studios in Southern Illinois in Eastern Virginia, it's the AU Wishbone Podcast. John, how are you tonight? Very well, Van. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. We won in Vanderbilt. Woo! I'm your host, Van Allen Plexico. And I'm joined, as always, by my co-host. I'm John Ringer. And this is the AU Wishbone. I don't know if I said that, but yes. Um, so we're coming off of our second win in a row, which there was a time, John. There was a time early in man's history when winning two games back-to-back was not a big deal. But it's a pretty freaking big deal this year, I would, ar- I would argue, given how things have been going the last couple of years. And we're getting ready to play our second SEC road game. Can you name the last time... Auburn won two SEC road games in consecutive weeks. Wow. Now, see, that is one of those questions that you'd think the answer would not be that difficult. It wouldn't be like a big thing. And then you go, oh, I bet it is. <laughs> I well, bet partially it's because our schedule often goes home away, home away, home away. So there often are not so, two back-to-back road games. Sometimes when there are, there's a bye week in there, too. So you so don't mean – Two back, you don't mean we won two road games in a row. You mean we won two games in a row and they were both road games. That's right. Okay, then I don't have any idea because that's different. I think it's 2013. Well, that would make sense because we didn't lose many that year, just LSU. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, that that's interesting. So, so pretty much the entire Gus and Potato famine era, no two back to back. Yeah, well, that doesn't surprise me. All right, well. All right, uh, here we are after the Vanderbilt game, getting ready not just for Auburn to go to Arkansas, John. We're getting ready for us to go to Arkansas. Well, way more importantly, we're going to Arkansas. That's right. We this will be our third year of doing a right of doing a road game. We went to Texas A and M in twenty one, where I got COVID. Well, they, we went to <laughs> Texas A and M last year at home. We didn't go to a road game last year, did we? Went to home, which. That game was a year ago today. Oh, wow. That was incredible, too. That was one of the best experiences of my life. That was, that weekend was just one of the greatest weekends. I mean, I had fun at A&M overall, but, you know, obviously there were some things between losing the game and getting COVID kind of sucked, but it was still a fun trip. But, um, yeah, going, going down there last year was better than any road game, though. That was just the – we picked the – we really lucked out is what it was. We, we lucked out. Because i got to be honest, I, my daughter and I went to the Arkansas game a couple weeks before, and it was not the same. No, no. No, we picked that game, like, before the season even started. We were debating – all the way up until the season started last year, we were debating which, ro- which game we should go to. And we kind of ended up on A&M for various other reasons. And as we got closer and closer to it, we're like, 
oh, we might have really lucked out here and picked the right game to go to, and it really did work out. I mean, between just getting to hang out and between going to the basketball game, which was awesome, and my brother showed up, which was awesome, and then getting to go to the football game, which was epic, and having our great book signing, which was epic, and Reynolds showed up, and and Jared was there, and Kathy was there, and everybody was there, and it was just a real. And Auburn Elvis was there. It was really just a fantastic, and like a whole bunch of people came up, including like my nephew's mom and all them. That was just a really a fun thing. Anyway, so that was cool. So what haven't we done a an away trip other than A and M two years ago? Is that the only that one was we've the done? First one. Yeah, so that's it. This will be number two. Yeah, in our so. march around the SEC. Yeah, yeah, the road game road trip. Yeah, the to 2021 one had the had the very uh, men in men in uh, blazers Tanks. slash <laughs> men in kilts kind of a vibe going. I'm not sure we're carrying that forward this year, but we're still going to make a big thing out of it. We're going to record some videos again. We're going back to torchies. We're John, <laughs> we're not just going to Arkansas. Um, we we we. I can't find it. I I rearranged the, the, the soundboard now. I can't find anything. It's really frustrating. I don't have facts to back this up. I don't have buttons to back it up either. Frosty! I don't know. I don't know where anything is anymore. It's all gone. I, A miracle to turn to hair! That's what I'm going to be saying. Except in Fayetteville. Now, I have a button on here. I have a button on here somewhere that plays... Um, Beethoven's Ninth Symphony. We're all familiar with it from the long years of, of listening to this program. And something has happened and stolen the button. Wow, I, the soundboard not <laughs> soundboard high. Ah, oh, it just know, I, it, yeah. it just changed color. We're going to go down to Fayetteville and we're gonna reconvene and do videos and stuff at Torchy's Tacos. But meanwhile, but meanwhile, but meanwhile, it's the Auburn Fun Meter. This is our weekly look at how much fun we are having being an Auburn fan on a scale of one of zero to ten right now. And I got to tell you, my Auburn Fun Meter between everything that we've just done and what's coming up, it's it's not low right now. No, no. And there's something else fun happening this week that which we'll which we'll discuss later. Bouncy, so I'm going to say. Bounce our happy place is returning yeah, tomorrow. The happy, return of the happy place. So I'm gonna say my fun because of that, my fun meter's an eight and a half. Eight and a half. Man, for I time, am, eight and a half. I is am Titanic. Fired up about this basketball <laughs> season. <laughs> I'm excited. I'm good. I'm excited. Um Yeah, I, I'm gonna have to say my Auburn fun meter right now is about an eight, but with certainly vertically uh, it's it's um, it's got room to grow. You know what I mean. It's got room to move up. It has room to grow, and I'm I'm excited about that. Because um, you know, when it comes to Auburn basketball, I want you to put the word out there that we back up. Understand me? We back up. I I think that I think they do understand, and I think that when um, when the when the other teams see. Uh, See our new lineup come walking in the gym. They're gonna be like, "There they are!" Oh yeah, that's them. Look out! There they are. That's it. All right. 
So, um, Vanderbilt. I've heard of them. They are a little school down in uh, Nashville that plays in the SEC. Inexplicably plays in the SEC. No one knows why or, or how they came to do that. And um, yeah, it was a pretty good, uh, pretty good result. The conference needs one Vanderbilt. Yeah, it's true. Now you 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 made me realize that years ago when I was like taking the. Why is Vanderbilt in the SEC position? And you made the very good point of, don't you want there to be SEC teams we can usually beat? And I'm like, that's an excellent point. You don't want every you don't want every team in the league to be Alabama or Georgia. That's no fun, right? So yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, so Mississippi State and Vanderbilt. There used to be a day that we didn't celebrate deliriously beating Mississippi State and Vanderbilt. I have no shame about it. I am, given what we've been through the last few years, I have no shame. I am proud to celebrate deliriously beating Mississippi State and Vanderbilt. I am happy, and I'm. No, I have no problem with being happy, and I don't have to justify it to anybody. We won an exactly. SEC road game. Yep. Something we had not done this season, and I'll take it. Something we were not entirely sure we were going to be able to do. I mean, think about it. We look back at the Mississippi State and Vandy games and go, oh, yeah, we took care of those two teams. But going into both of them, we're like, yeah, you know, we've just lost four in a row, and there's no guarantees here. And our offense had played like dog crap on the road in the three games we had played. There was no guarantee it showed up on Saturday. Not a lick. No, that's exactly right. But they did. They did. So, all right, let's let's get up to 10,000 feet or whatever. Although, you had to be a lot further down than that to see Vanderbilt Stadium. Hey! Hey! Oh, hey! I got to use it on myself for once. There we go. But, uh... Yeah, I guess if you go on Google Maps, which I do in my classes all the time, if you get to go on Google Maps, you have to really scroll the little scrolly thing in to see the Vanderbilt Stadium. Uh, it looks kind of like a pothole in their parking lot. And, um, yeah, and it, was, it looked like half the stadium was all Auburn and the other half was partly Auburn, which is probably what other teams do too, but still, that's good. It was Jordan-Hare North on Saturday, man. Yes, it was. Yeah, That was nice. Um, I would have gone. I almost got to go, but it just didn't work out. Um, but thankfully, and I was talking about this last week, thankfully, thankfully, thankfully. This is another reason I'm so grateful for the new schedule format because they'll be back here in no less or, or no more than four years, right? right. They'll be, you'll be at Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt at Auburn, and then two years of nothing, and then at Vanderbilt again, theoretically. And, and so, Missouri. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And so, um, you know, if that means I only get to see him play LSU two times every four years, that's fine. I, I do. I do think a lot of people object to this LSU thing or Georgia or whatever on the grounds of they, and, and I understand it. They, so I think that some people, not everybody, I think some people think that this means that those teams will be on the 12-year cycle that's going on right now, where we hadn't played at Vanderbilt since 2012. And, like, because I missed it this year, I wouldn't get to see them in Nashville again until I'm, like, 137 years old. You know what I mean? But that's not the case. We, we lose every year, but we gain everybody twice every four years, to me, that is absolutely a change worth making. That that trade-off is so much more positive than negative to me. So much more positive than negative. I you know, I would much rather play everybody twice in four years at minimum 
than play a couple of teams every year and and never play anybody else. You know what I mean? I just I'm much happier with it with, with the way it's no, going to be. I get it. I just want to go to nine to keep Georgia. Right. I understand that. Um, so what did you see overall, kind of big picture about Auburn and how they played and how they came out? I mean, obviously we started with the fans, and that's a real thing. It mattered. Mm-hmm. We, you could, I think we were, we, our fans were so loud in the road game, we were causing problems for the home team offense. <laughs> that's when, the, when they that's the, the ultimate field. right there. Um, and you could absolutely hear it on TV when we kicked off. You could hear the War Eagle and stuff. And you could hear it when they were on offense at key downs. And but also like we went in there and we took care of business. We didn't mess around. We we didn't play perfect. We got a lot of room for improvement. Oh yes, but yes. we took care of business and sat on them and won the game. So that's what matters. Yeah, that's exactly right. Is that we played really well overall and won handily pretty much, and yet we still made a whole lot of mistakes. But there are things that you can look at and say we can fix that. You know, it wasn't yes. like. It wasn't like we didn't have any running backs or we didn't have, you know, a defensive line or something. It was or we didn't have a kicker, you know. It was we made a mistake and you fixed that mistake, right? And and, right. and there were a bunch of them, so there's plenty to take from it. Cause I think it's Freeze has said this, other coaches have said it. When you when you come out of a when you come out of a win with things to work on, that's good because you're not feeling bad about it, but you still know you gotta fix some things, you know. It's kind of the ideal. And I think it's clear, like, you could see here and there the flashes of what this team could be if they operated. If we yeah. operated at a high level with no errors for 60 yes. minutes, this te- the level this team could play at is way up there, but we haven't come close to that yet in the game. No, no. I, I mean, yeah, if, if – if, um, well, let's just kind of take it from the top, right? So if, if uh, Thorne makes the right decisions most of the time, doesn't make really big, bad Ben Leard 1999- this, or 98 or 99 decisions was it 98 98 yeah um if uh you know if if Jarquez is running well if the receivers are catching the ball and getting open and not dropping everything um if the defense is not giving up every third down after getting third and long yeah i mean if they if they can do those things consistently and 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 I think a big part of it. We'll talk about this here in the next section. And I'll go ahead and transition over, unless there's anything else. Is I I think that that tempo is such a big part of it. Even more, put it this way, it seems to have a bigger impact with Freeze's offense than it did with Gus. Gus is the one that kind of trademarked the the the, the no huddle hurry up, right? And yet when when Gus didn't do the hurry up, it didn't seem that different, honestly. But when Freeze's team doesn't do the hurry up, it seems like a different team and not as good of a team. They they just seem much better when they have tempo. And I, I don't know if that's the like a Freeze thing or like that current group of players, right? Is that maybe that's just a Peyton Thorn thing, right? Um, maybe, but it's that's truth it. for this team, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I think that what they had to realize, among several things on offense, what the coaches had to realize was that the benefits of going slow did not outweigh the benefits of going fast. You know, in other words, even though we were, you know, going slower had its had its advantages, but the advantages we get going fast are better. Well, but also I think we're playing teams they're not scared of going fast against. Yeah, right? that doesn't hurt. That's right. That's true. I I still think it wouldn't have I I <laughs> We couldn't have done any worse against LSU. We might as well have done something that worked. You know what I mean? I mean, why not? 
I mean, if they score 100, okay, well, you know. <laughs> so what? They scored whatever they scored. I don't even remember anymore. So. Right. It would have been like 100 to 40 instead of whatever, 50 to 14 or whatever it was. Right. So. Yeah, exactly. So might as well have tried. I've done that. Well, um, yeah, Hunter came out, had some good. It was funny how we had like, at one point in the game, it seemed like we had like five plays, three for no gain, and two like 70 yard touchdown runs. <laughs> That well, but you're, really you're joking, but that was the story of the offense. Yeah. Right? It was a big play day, explosive plays, yeah. and then the other plays, we didn't do much at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, it right. wasn't like we were ripping off five, six, eight yards a chunk every time. It was no. kind of we Feast were kind of, of a, a home run hitter or strikeout in this game. Well, they were and, trying and, to— But st- we hit enough home runs to make it work. So. Exactly. That was it. Is They were trying to stop the run. Either, either they did stop the run— or they so overplayed it that if he got past the first wave, there was nobody else. I mean, that they kind of brought everybody up, and when he got past them, it was like um, it was like Bostick's run in the '93 Iron Bowl, you know, where you get the one yard, and if you can get that one yard, you got a you got an 80 yard you know dash ahead of you. So, and that happened twice, which was pretty funny. Um, and then we gave one back, so that was that kind of sucked. And I, I made the comment at, on Twitter at the time that the reason Peyton Thorne was still in the game in the fourth quarter, ironically enough, was that he threw a pick six earlier in the game because if he hadn't thrown that pick six, he probably would have come out and we would have had Robbie in there. Well, it wasn't just that. It was the penalties. You know, yeah. We had a goal one and first and goal oh, and had a God. penalty. And then we had a bunch of drop passes, several of which could have been touchdowns. Um, so I yep. think you know the, the pick six was part of it. And then we had a couple of other plays when something could have happened, but the blocking wasn't good. Um, so I think we, again, we executed enough to get those big plays and the home runs, but you're right. If we had executed perfectly on offense, we'd have scored 70 in this game because they just, the plays were there and we mm-hmm. just couldn't quite make them. Yeah. I, but I feel like we're closer now than we were earlier. Right. I mean, agree. And I, I agree a hundred percent. I think some of that is just, you could see the team and Thorne gaining confidence. Yeah. Right, they are more confident in executing the offense than they were four weeks ago. Um, I feel like if we played Cal right now again, we'd beat them like forty-two to twenty-one or something, or forty-two to ten or seventeen. Uh, I, I forgot they didn't score much on us, did they? So, I feel like it would be closer to forty-one to ten than nineteen to ten or seventeen to ten or whatever it was. I think that's right, and I think um, some of that. I was listening to Dan Peck made, on the radio made a good point, like. Some of that is just because maybe Peyton Thorne came in after spring practice, you know, mm-hmm. and wasn't here for that. So if you think about it, he's just getting to the point of being comfortable, and maybe some of that's what we're seeing. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're right. I think it, the offense is executing much better now than it was during the season, and some of that is, is that maybe. Well, I mean, just like think about the 2013 team, how we struggled and struggled to beat Mississippi State at home by like one score on the last play that passed to C.J. Uzoma. Mm-hmm. And then later on, we're putting 34 on Alabama, you know. So it it's a it's a real thing that you're one team in September and you're off in another team in November, you know, or whatever. So. Yep. Uh, or putting 60 on Tennessee in Knoxville, which is still one of the greatest moments ever. Uh. And that was um, – I think this past Saturday was the anniversary, the 10th anniversary of that Tennessee game in 2013, where we just ran all over them, just ran them into the turf. Stomped them. 
I think it was 10 years ago because the reason I know that is that Facebook came up with the 10th anniversary of me going to the being a guest at Georgia Book Festival. And I remember walking around that town watching that game on my phone during the book festival in between events there. So, uh, and just going, holy crap, <laughs> every time we'd go on some 80 yard run. Um, Javarius Johnson, you mentioned. He's back. I mean, he's. He was banged up during the season. It could make a difference, and clearly he's getting healthy now, and he made some big plays in this game and had the opportunities to make more, but he was our most dependable receiver coming into the year and mm-hmm. you know, couldn't play in the first half of the season. So we talked about reasons the offense is getting better. I think this is another one where this guy that's dependable and has experience getting open and making plays against SEC defense is, is making plays. And then I think Fairweather is – Turned out to be solid. He's not a game breaker, but he can get open and make catches when we need to, and he's productive. What do you think about the receivers overall? I mean, obviously Johnson, yeah. Um, I, they're all there's kind of a mixed bag, aren't they? There's nobody that really stands out beyond that. I'm mean, Fair's had some plays, yeah. but he's also had some moments that are kind of frustrating. Yeah, I think Fair and Johnson are are solid, but they're yeah. both basically slot guys, right? Right. They're kind of smaller, shifty guys. Uh, Fairweather, I think, is kind of, you know is a tight end, but they've kind of used him as a big receiver, uh, and, and I think he's he's solid at that. You know, he's getting. I think he's reliable. Well, I would oh. I would interject here. They've they've almost exclusively used him that way because yeah. when when has Fairweather gone out on a traditional tight end passing pattern? It's always down the sideline into yeah. the, into the end zone for the fade or down the sideline. It's never like one of those. You know, the traditional tight end yeah. passing pattern is like take two steps forward and one step over and catch the little dump pass. That's the tight end yeah. pass. He never does that. No, and he never, almost never lines up in a, the tight end you know, formation yeah. attached to the line of scrimmage. And right. I think part of that is because the outside receivers that we have, the big wide receivers, are not reliable, and I think they yeah. don't trust them. So, you know, we didn't see a lot of those guys on Saturday. Um, hooks and uh, Camden Brown and those other guys. We saw Fairweather playing out in there and getting the ball in those positions. So, who was the one against Mississippi State that caught the great pass and then dragged the guy over into the end zone and kind of like fell over the? You remember? Wasn't that Mississippi State that that happened? Caught caught the pass on like the five with a guy hanging off of him and he just kind of dragged him and fell over the goal line for the touchdown. I think that was at the Mississippi State game. I'm looking at the box score because I cannot remember. Yeah, either Hooks or Camden Brown, wasn't it? Maybe it wasn't. Um, it was hooks. Okay. But since then, yeah. Yeah. But so I, I think the receivers again are kind of mixed bag, but I think they're coming on, but also I think they're trying, they're figuring out ways to use the things They use Fairweather a lot, mm-hmm. you know, used our guy Cobb again. They did another touchdown. Um, All he does, John, is catch touchdowns. He's touchdown Cobb at this point. I think, he right? is. He, well, that makes him what Anthony Carter. He's, <laughs> what's his first name? Cobb. What's his Jeremiah. Jeremiah Anthony Carter Cobb. I like it. Anthony so, Carter. But I, so he, I mean, I think that's another, like, they're finding guys who can make plays they trust, and he fits into that bucket. So, yep, for sure. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, let's see. The, we had the pick six, which was just, uh, that was the most, uh, that was the most Klein, Jeff Klein slash Ben Leard thing we've done in a long time. 
And you, and we talked a lot on this podcast last week about the second half of Mississippi State. Why were we so conservative? Why did we get more aggressive? And that play right there is why. That's that it. is a 100%. The coaches knew that was in the bag, that it was he could do that kind of thing. And they were like, we are not calling any of that crap. It's like the is like the slot machine, and you knew that the thorn terrible pick six is on the little spinner, and you're like, let's just don't pull the handle here, <laughs> just in case it comes nah, up. We're not even gonna pull the handle. We're gonna so, play bingo instead. Yeah, let's go play bingo. I like it. That's right. Oh man, Thorn, come on. Um, yeah, and I oh, and the last thing about the offense, I understand in a way that we didn't take Thorne or Jarquez Hunter because we're trying to get them some work and everything. But in another way, I can't believe we never took them out. I can't believe Robbie never got on the field. I can't believe that uh, that, that Jarquez Hunter was still carrying the ball in the last minutes of the game. I just – what if they gotten hurt or something? I mean, what what the heck? I, I agree with that. I, I think, again, they have confidence in them, you know, Maybe we could have at the end run Alston or Batie or Cobb a little bit, um, mm-hmm. but I think some of my this is my perception. I don't know anything, but it may be related to how Robbie has reacted to the you know getting left behind here, kind of, mm. um, and his his reaction as a teammate and a player. And they're like, you know, that we're not going to reward that if you know, if, if he's not uh, reacted well, we're not going to reward that with with playing time. But also, I think. I think one of the reasons Thorne is so good is has been so good is because he's not looking over his shoulder at all. Right. No, that's true. And and again, I think you're right. If we had been up another score, they'd have said, "Hey, first team offense out of the game." Yeah, and I, and that's why I say I think that Thorne's yeah. pick six is a big reason why he was still in the game, which is ironic in a way, um, in a big way. What is the likelihood that Robbie transfers after this season? I think pretty high. I think he's probably going to be like Jacksonville State quarterback or something next season. Southern Miss, something like that. Yeah. Anyway, uh, it is what it is. We got a lot of quarterbacks, so we love him, but I, we understand. But also, that. the other scenario is Peyton Thorne has another year of eligibility. Mm-hmm. I would have told you a couple weeks ago, I don't think he's coming back. And now I think, what if he comes back? Yeah, for sure. We got Walker White coming in next year? Yeah, well, as a freshman, I mean. Yeah, but. We'll see. I, some hope for the future on that side. Oh, yeah. And and Perry Thompson, hopefully, knock on wood, mm-hmm. we don't lose him. We've lost a couple of commits, but that's going to happen. I mean, any. I mean, if if let's put it this way. Any players that committed to Auburn thinking we were going to go like undefeated this year were not going to stay with us. That was not going to happen. So well, just but I think deal with it. One of the recent commitments is our running back commitment mm-hmm. and decommitments, and I think he's looking at the depth chart going, I don't think there's a lot of playing time for a freshman next year, baby. Yeah, no, I understand. Yeah, his his quote was Auburn is not the place for me, and I'm thinking eh, it may not be the place for a running back right now. Of course, Jarquez is graduating, isn't he? He's got another year if he wants to come back. Oh, okay, okay. So now he may running back lot. You know, careers are short. He may try to make the move to the NFL, but even then, we'd still. I think Batia has another year if he wants to stay. Austin Cobb. You know. Yeah, man, I want to help the Austin out there. He was so good when he's healthy. Mm-hmm. I still don't feel like he's very healthy. The defense, really quickly. Um, I mean, really, Vanderbilt only scored eight points. Did they get a two-point conversion when I wasn't looking? I yeah. must have like gotten up, yeah. and got a drink, and come back. And they what did they, they do? They scored a touchdown and went for two at the end. So, um, but again, the, I think the defense was excellent. They yes, it gave up some yards, but we really, you know, 
in the middle of the game, when the, when the game was kind of in, we doubted, we were pulling away, we held them to three and out like five or six times in a row. We got a lot of pressure on them with a the defensive line. And their really good receiver, Shepard, caught like two passes early mm-hmm. and then ended up with four total catches. Yeah, it took so him the out. So defensive of the backs really took him out. And they got the turnover at the end um, to keep the turnover streak going. But yes. I just thought like the defensive line was disrupting stuff. And I think we tackled well too. Yeah, better than earlier in the season for sure. Yeah, there was a couple of games there that we did not have good tackling performances, but it was better last week and it was better this week. And mm-hmm. they need to keep that up. Um, yeah, so the defense, another good, solid performance. And um, let, well, then let me ask you this, because I didn't ask you. Uh, as far as the offense goes, what do you think about our offensive play calling? And do we have any sense of who's doing the play calling now? And He answered that in the press conference today and said they're kind of – it's a collaboration. <laughs> I think it's a little bit of both of them. Yeah, I, I think it's more freeze now than it was a month and a half ago. I mean, I, I think what he says is true. Like, he's involved in the design of the, the selection of which plays make it on the sheet for the weekend. Yeah. Uh, and then I think there's times during the game when he grabs the steering wheel and makes stuff happen. I, I think it goes something like this. Something like that. Uh, special teams. Eh, we. Oh, man. Batty finally had that kick return we've been waiting for all year. We brought him in for, and it just took away. Isn't that always the way, though? Every time you get a good kick return, up oh, some idiot blocked in the back. And the thing that I hate about it, the thing I hate about that penalty, usually, is the same thing I often hate about offsides in soccer, which is that. Nine times out of ten, it's away from the ball and doesn't really affect anything anyway. It did not matter. Yeah, I just, ah, it's so stupid. But that was frustrating. And then we had the, you know, the Simpson close to the punt returner, and they called a penalty on that, which I thought Mm. was pretty weak, too. So the special teams... Because that's one that never gets called. how, How many times have we said, hey, why didn't you call interference, you know, when we turn it over? And they never do. And then we get one our way for once, and oh no, there was no penalty there. So, or there was this time, yeah. So, so yeah, that was and and the penalties and just the weird little mistakes and things. And I did feel like I felt like Vandy didn't get called for a delay of game. Vandy didn't get called for a couple of other things where we Holy. did mysteriously. But honestly, if you're looking back at the at a game with Vanderbilt and you're complaining about penalties getting called i feel like you're doing <laughs> you got other things to worry about besides you know that so amen. amen but i i i think we went out there took care of business yep and i think the defense is playing very well and the offense is getting better every week at this point so. we got a shot and we're going to talk about arkansas coming up here in a second that'll be fun because i think we got a good shot i think we got a legitimate shot sec power poll discussion we haven't done this in a while what are your thoughts here all right my first question is this. What are the best non-conference wins by SEC teams this season? I, I know what they are, and I, I want to know. Mm. I'll, I'll tell you, and then you tell me how impressive this is. All right. Do it. The best wins by any SEC team over non-conference team, Missouri over Kansas State. Yes, yes, with that kick. Ole Miss over Tulane. <laughs> yeah, well. Mississippi State over Arizona. Those this are the getting... three best wins this conference has. Yeah, there's your fight song for those games. 
You can't be serious, man. You cannot be serious. That's that's not good. No, and I think you know before you get anybody and listen to this podcast gets in your high horse about how great the SEC is. Remember what I just said. Yeah. Okay. This I don't think this conference is one of those years when we're the best and all of our teams can well, beat everybody else around the country. All right. Well, Georgia hadn't played anybody. We knew that. But Alabama got that huge win. It, it, it had to have been huge, right? Because they had to struggle so hard to get it over South Florida. That must have been a huge win, right? Huh? 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 Cricket, cricket, cricket. I don't have a cricket sound Alabama has not in the non-conference got their rear end kicked yeah, by a team that may not win the Big 12. Yeah, that's for so, sure. Yeah, I that's just weird. No, I I mean I mean part of it is that we just haven't played a lot of the biggest big out of conference uh, games yet. No, but lost Florida State. Yep. Lost to Utah. Yep. Lost to Texas. Yep. You know, uh, there's put uh, lost to North Carolina. So there's a lot of non-conference. You lost know what? Miami. You know what? I ain't crying. No, but I'm just saying. Like, I'm, I, I'm still flying the Jolly Roger, man. No, I'm good with it. They can I, lose, I lose, not, lose. I'm not crying about either, but I think the SEC as a whole is this is not a great year. You know, at, uh, at the top of the conference, we've got like Georgia and Alabama and LSU, and I think Georgia's really good, but last year's Georgia team or the year before's Georgia team would beat this Georgia team by 17 points. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Who was it lost to Utah? Florida. I mean, look, if a Gator fan comes up to me and says, man, we – we, we lost to Utah. We lost to Utah. And I would say, oh, you know what? That's what? Yeah. Flying that flag. Uh, that's an interesting point. We've got, uh, we've got tiers, but not the kind like the Florida had for losing to Utah. We have the levels of the SEC power pole. So I want to kind of hear you break down this because I'm not entirely sure I agree. All right, let's go. So the top, I think teams that are excellent – Georgia, yep. Alabama, then LSU. You got LSU ahead of Ole Miss. Yeah. I got Ole Miss ahead of LSU. Ole Miss beat LSU head to head. Ole Miss only got one loss. uh, The last play of the game, basically, or whatever. Well, Ole Miss has only got one loss. LSU's got at least two, right? uh, For about three more days, or whatever. (laughs) Ole Miss goes into Athens this weekend, and they are going to get annihilated. I don't know. Okay. I don't know. Annihilated. I don't know, my friend. That's going to be interesting. Let's see. That well that's we're, we're going to be that's like is that the 230 game I'm assuming? No, it's a night game. It's the night. Okay, so we might actually get to see it. We might actually get to watch that one after we get out of that little stadium. Mm-hmm. Oh, nice. We'll call the hogs for 3 hours, then go watch the dogs and and uh and the revs, land shark, black bear, admiral admiral uh where are the Akbars? It's a trap. Them, yeah. Them. So you had you had Ole Miss at LSU. I had LSU. I had Ole Miss. Either way, that's three, four. At the start of the very good tier, I have Ole Miss, Missouri, and Tennessee. Yeah, I think Missouri has earned their way up to that. I. It's weird to me that this. It's weird to me that we're talking about the team that gave us a win last year. Gave Potato his signature win. They're better. And they they well. Did you see there was like a Twitter meme thing and it was like breaking down each team and for Missouri it said something like, well, y'all are better. I'm not sure how you did it. May have involved human sacrifice, but it worked. <laughs> take it. Yeah, take it and go, man. Take, whatever works. In the SEC, you do it. you got to do. Yeah, that's fair enough. I mean, uh, has A&M played Tennessee? Um, 
I believe so, and they lost. Uh, one second. A&M is a weird team because they play in stretches where you think, that's a pretty good team. And then they go stretches where you think, man, they're terrible. You know what I mean? They, yeah, they have Tennessee they, beat them. Okay, well, then that's fair enough. They have flashes of almost Georgia, and they have flashes of, of Mississippi State. Let's be clear. A&M is 5-4. and four. Yeah, I know it. That's what I'm saying is they have flashes where they look really good, and then they have flashes where they, they're terrible. I, get I, it. I don't I, understand it. Well, I mean, they're, again, they're also playing back of quarterback. Yeah. That matters. Um, Son so of that FSU quarterback. That's right. Brad Johnson. So. Yeah, I remember him well. Um, the, so the good in the middle of the SEC, the good pile, I got Texas A&M, Auburn, and Kentucky. Yeah, that's fair. And then in the not good pile, I have Arkansas and Florida. That should favor us over Arkansas, except that it's in Arkansas, right? That's right. That you're thinking. So we should, we're a better team than Arkansas, but it's in Arkansas. Yeah, so I think it's going to be pretty even. Yeah, that's okay. And then at the bottom of the pile, the bad category, South Carolina, Mississippi State, and Vanderbilt. Yeah, South Carolina is that I just, at the end of last year, I was really on the Beamer train and what the heck. Not the only one. There was a, it was a big thing. And they had the quarterback coming back. People thought mm-hmm. they were going to be right there. People, People thought, thought they would be where Missouri is. Yes, that's exactly it. Yeah. Missouri has stolen South Carolina's mojo like it's Austin Powers. They took it. They stole their mojo, and nobody knows how or why, except it may have involved human sacrifice. Uh, Yeah, I think – and the fact that the two teams we've just beaten are the two on the very bottom uh, goes a long way toward explaining how we're kind of up toward the lower middle now. Um, I sure would like a crack at Florida. Uh, This would be a good year to play Florida. Yeah. I would love it. This would be a good year to have a shot at them. Yes, it would. But they probably think the same thing about us. <laughs> oh, well. All right. So Arkansas, like you said, it's 3 o'clock normal time, 4 o'clock communist time on the SEC network. It's a weird starting time, 3 o'clock instead of 2.30. I guess you start the big 2.30 game, which I don't think is a very big well, game this week. And then, and then they want some overlap with the evening game. So this game will yeah. be kind of still going on, ending. Yeah. While the 3.30, 3 p.m. games are, are ending, and so there'll be something to carry him into the evening TV that makes sort. Sense. All right, so uh, we will be there, as we said. We're going to head down Friday. John's going to fly down, and I'm going to drive down with the crowd. And uh, nice little reunion, and then uh, we'll head over to Torchies. So you had a note here, insert ideas where we might meet people or do things, and I said other than Torchies, which is where we're going to be anyway. <laughs> I. I would say, again, if you have a lot of experience going to Fayetteville or Arkansas, let us know uh, your suggestions for other places to go and see. If we're walking around campus on Saturday, what should be the must-see things? And plus, we're going to be filming a couple videos like we did in the last couple of years where we'll find scenic places to set up and, and record ourselves yapping and so what's this nice scenic place? It'd also be cool if we could get into the stadium again because Texas A&M let us go in there and look around a little bit, which was kind of neat. So if it was. if any Arkansas folks want to open the gates up and let us come in there and, uh, and look around, we'll, we'll be appreciative, appreciative of it. We'll, we'll do a nice complimentary video so that then your fans can come in later and, and leave ugly comments for me to argue with for the next three years. Uh, let's see. Arkansas, two-and-a-half to three-point favorite opening up. That just sounds to me like dead even with a home advantage. I think you're right. Well, it sounds like Auburn's a little better and they have home field advantage. So. Yeah. Yeah. I I feel 
I don't feel great about it, but I just keep reminding myself this is the Arkansas team, more or less, that lost to Mississippi State seven to three in Fayetteville. They yeah. have. I it's a. I worry about this game a little bit from this perspective. I think it's a. We're in this scenario. We're Texas A and M last year a little bit, right? Uh, going oh, into yeah. Auburn, okay. so they fired their offensive coordinator. They went and won that Florida game and kind of. Uh, gave them a lot of positive momentum, and now they're coming home. I think their fans are going to be fired up coming into the stadium. If they had lost that Florida game, I think that crowd would have been really flat. Yeah, they won, so now I think they're gonna they're gonna have some uh, enthusiasm. I wasn't sure whether I should be hoping they won or lost because I could kind of make an argument either way, right? I didn't want them to be just so wild animal, desperate like you know the bear that's been poked too many times just goes off. I thought maybe you get them this win over Florida and they get a little happy and complacent, and if you know what I mean. But um, I, I don't know. I, I feel like it's totally an illegitimate thing now because I'll make a I'll make it work either way. And if, <laughs> if if I can if I can make an argument to convince myself either way, then there's no point in having the conversation because it's not legitimate. Again, that was their only SEC win. Yes. Florida game. Exactly. I. And by the way, they what have lost their last three home games, which is bizarre. Yes. Well, I say, what does that say about Florida, though? That they that the only team that Arkansas has beaten, but um, they're not we, good. We we have a bad track record in Fayetteville. It's not the great, not my favorite place for us to play. Um, but um, one up there two years ago with yeah. Potato. I don't even know. Somebody said that actually may be his signature win was on the road at Arkansas. It was one of our better games. Yeah. We had that old Miss game where we killed them. Those two yeah, games. that was a good one too. Yeah, that was um, in that brief stretch in 21 where we thought that Potato might actually work out. There was like five minutes there where we're like, hey, hey, look at this. And then, yeah, didn't go out so well. Um, let's see. Travis T. Will. Yep, is the defensive coordinator. They got rid of both coordinators last year. They hired Travis Williams as defense coordinator. They hired this other guy, Dan Enos, as offensive coordinator. They already fired him because he was terrible. But Travis Williams has done a very good job there. Their defense is good. Mm. Um, it's legitimately better. They're well coached on that side of the ball. And I think, um, you know, I, I think they don't have, you know, Georgia, Alabama, A&M talent on that side of the ball. But they, they're well coached. I think they're solid. I think their offense has been the problem. That's why they fired the other guy. Yeah. But Travis has done a good job. Well, they ho- held Mississippi State to seven points. They just didn't score but three themselves. Um, I've got something to say about their offensive coordinator coming up in just a moment. Uh, let's and then, see. Uh, it, the, um, I think they have given up a lot of running yards this year, though, mm. to different SEC teams, like 200 yards to almost every team they played. So I think if we line up and focus on running the ball, we can do it. We can, we can deliver in that area. And it'd be nice to let all of our backs get a little work in there. I'd love to see Cobb get some carries, and mm-hmm. love to see Damari get out there and get a little bit of action again, because he he didn't seem like he was playing gingerly, but he also didn't seem like himself really in terms of production. Didn't seem the same. I agree. No. But it's coming. Yeah, I agree. And offensively, you know the story: KJ Jefferson, Rocket Sanders, they're good. And what they what they did against Florida was a lot of what they used to do the last two years, which is like a lot of running into the side, passing to the side, kind of spread you out, spread you out, spread you out, and then K.J. Jefferson run up the middle. Who's their offensive coordinator now? 
Who's calling the plays? It's one of the other assistants that I can't remember the guy's name. All but. right, that's fine. I didn't know if they brought somebody in or they just they're yeah. letting the tight end coach they, do it. They promoted one of the guys on the current staff. So. Okay. Um, but they went back to the way they were kind of running the offense last year is what I would say is that it's a lot of, lot more kind of spread you out, KJ control passing, control runs to the outside, and then KJ Jefferson power runs up the middle. The biggest thing was Florida did a terrible job tackling. Mm. Arkansas broke 20 tackles last weekend. Wow. If we tackle – and we get them and get our hands on him and get him down and get them down on the ground, then it won't be like that. Their offense won't, you know, uh, make a bunch of big plays. They're not explosive. They are really good in the red zone because of him. But this is the other thing. Their offensive line gives up a lot of sacks and a lot of tackles for loss and a lot of pressure. And if our defensive line can play like it did last week against Vanderbilt, we can go in there and cause a lot of problems for them. Um. Good team in the red zone. Is that so? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, they, I think they're actually the top SEC team. And this is actually interesting. I think they're one of the best teams, if not the best team, in red zone offense. Auburn is now the best team in red zone defense in the SEC. Ooh, strength against strength. That'll be fun. That'll mm-hmm. be interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I knew we'd been doing pretty well. I mean, our, our defense is – our defense this year is one that I kind of want to go back at the end of the season and look back at and go, now, what exactly did they do? Because I know that they have really good players at some positions and, and others are kind of a little more of a mystery, but they've just really worked well together and they've gotten the job done when they had to. I think Roberts does a really good job of keeping the offense off balance. He's yeah. bringing guys from different positions, but you never are quite sure who's coming and not coming mm. on the blitz and then the pressure and that kind of stuff. And I think they – confuse the defense the offense just enough but i think we don't play too complicated stuff the players are in the right position and they make plays when they get there and they seem to be having fun too like they're they support each other and i think uh but also i think we have you know we have good players in the secondary but this is not an auburn defense where we're just you know we're at better talent than everybody we're just out there crushing people you know we just let them move up and down the field a little bit and we'll, we'll mm-hmm. hold them we won't let them score you know, home to the field goal or something. But also, I think the other thing is, I think Roberts adjust really well to whatever they see. Because you'll see, like, the other team will move the ball early and then we'll shut them down. Like, they'll go a quarter or two without getting. Hit. Yeah. I was going to say, we give up, like, that one early drive, it seems like, and then we kind of figure out. Unlike, mm-hmm. you know, for example, Ted Roof would give up those, like, five <laughs> early drives and then figure it out, and we'd be great in the second half. So. For a, for a quarter, so. and then Cam had to bring us back. Yeah, that's so funny. Um, it still boggles my mind to think about the fact that, other than like the defensive line a little bit, that 2010 defense was one of the weaker defenses we've ever had. We won the national championship, went undefeated. It really shows what a difference a good defensive line and a good offense, of course, can make. But man, we need to get some defensive linemen in there to help these guys out. Because just think how much mm-hmm. better they'd be doing if we had all had a good pass rush. Yes. Oh, no, man. if we could, uh, I, we're we're barely scratching the surface on the pass rush thing. We're oh, getting yeah. a little bit, but not what we need. Yeah, no, we're doing all this without that, and still doing well, which is amazing. Yeah, that's right. Uh, let's see if there's anything else. Um, Special teams, they yeah. are bad. They are bad at punt coverage and bad at kick coverage. And I'm I'm calling the shot right now. This is the week. This is the week we're either getting a punt return or a kickoff return, a big play. Let's do it. I'm I'm all in for it. I'm there for it. That sounds good. Um, that 
it's like, you know, I, Coach, there's good news and there's bad news. <laughs> the bad news is you're the worst team in the SEC at punt coverage. But the the other news is not actually good news either. You're also the worst team at kickoff coverage. So it's, it's, that's not good. That's not a good place to be. Um, yeah, so maybe they'll come out and, like, you know, try pooch kicks or something to – I don't know. They I mean, may. I, I would be concerned about kicking a batty. They might try and just kick it away from him, and then we might end up with good field position out of that kind of stupid yeah, stuff. Yeah, that's so. right. So win-win. We'll see how it goes. All right, so final verdict on this game. I feel pretty good about it. I, I mean, I know that there's reason to be concerned, obviously, and I am concerned to a degree, but uh, – I think I agree. I think they're a good team. They're closer to us than Mississippi State or Vanderbilt was, but I think we're playing better than we were, you know, coming into that Mississippi State game. And I think our defense could go in there and hold them down a little bit. And the offense is gonna the, our offense against their defense is gonna be where it's gonna be decided. I think we're playing well. We're playing yeah. better. We have some confidence. I think we'll be able to run the ball enough to get it done. I want to see it. I'm going to yell. I don't yell a lot at games anymore. I feel like I kind of did that, and now I don't really do it anymore. I just my voice doesn't hold up that well. But I'll I'll give it my You're all. You're a professional podcaster. You need, I, you need the voice, sir. Yeah, but I'll I'll give it what I can. Plus, I teach. <laughs> I have to have my voice every say, day in class. Podcasting, you actually have to teach a class. So. That's right. So, um, before we get into the the middle of the show matter. Just this is totally off the cuff. I'm just hitting you with an audible here. But where's the basketball team at? I, I was going to come to this at around the SEC. If you want to oh, okay. go now, I'll go now. No, no, no. All right. If it's got a place, it's got a place. I didn't realize. All right. So we'll coming up. We'll talk about the basketball team briefly. But first thing we got to tell folks is, as of this recording, there's only six days to go. And no, it's now it's five. Okay. So there's five days to go so i think it's uh tuesday wednesday thursday friday saturday so like i think sometimes saturday maybe or sunday um is the last day to get first time ever how the untold story of how auburn first brought undefeated alabama to jordan Hare stadium and beat them it's our great 330 page book on the entire complete story of the 1989 Iron Bowl. It has uh, the history. It has the game play-by-play. It has uh, the memories of today's Auburn fans that were there looking back at it a bunch. Uh, it has interview with David Housel and other people that uh, from Auburn that were involved in everything. Uh, this is, I think, my favorite book yet. Uh, the basketball book has a has a warm place in my heart and we believe is just such a massive tome full of football joy they each you know it's not you don't want to find your favorite child you know what i'm saying <laughs> but that being said i'm really proud of this child because this child first time ever i think it's a darn good book it's a darn I think good it's read. important i think it is a good book and i think people are going to like it yeah and you got like five more days to get in on it get signed copies before christmas the book will then go out of print until sometime in 2024 if you want to get the book for you or for another auburn fan for christmas you must buy it now this is it yes other than that it won't be around again until sometime in 2024 not really sure when but it will be well after christmas so jump on it now the if you go to www.auwishbone.com, I believe the link is there, nice, big, visible. Um, and if you just go to kickstarter.com and search for 
Plexico or first time ever. Either one of those will bring it up. Um, and yeah, and you can get, there's even packages where you can get it with We Believed, you can get it with a basketball book, or you can get it all three books in a bundle together, all of them signed and everything. So so head on over to www.auwishbone.com and pick it up. And if you are a patron and you don't like the way your name is put in the book or if it's not included at all, I tried. <laughs> I tried my best to reach everybody. So hopefully you'll all be happy. Or he could just make up names based on your, <laughs> you know, the soundboard. There it is. Um, all right. We've got to thank the folks. We don't do ads on this show other than our own ads, obviously like that. Uh, and that won't be – that. this is the last time you'll have heard that, right? Because th- when John and I reconvene in Arkansas to do our little audio bits and then when we uh, record the show Monday a week from today, that this thing will be over and those books will be uh, – we'll be getting ready to mail them out. So this is the last time we're going to try to hype up that book and then that will be it. Until next year when it comes out in Amazon and stuff. All right. So, and it won't be signed then. Um, Here now, here now are the fine folks keeping this program going whose names will be printed in the front of the book. Oh, I haven't. um, uh Oh, you know what I did? I did that thing I do sometimes where I think that I... Talk us about basketball, John. (laughs) Talk us about... Here we go. Time to surprise John to talk about basketball. All right. Here's what you need to know. Number one, we have several newcomers coming back who are big additions to this team, including Aiden Holloway, the point guard, Denver Jones, the shooting guard, who I think is going to be the leading scorer on this team probably, and a big-time outside shooter. We got a couple of forwards who are coming in from different schools, Chandy Johnson from small school, Alabama Huntsville. Uh, I think think people are going to like him, like his athleticism. We got Broom coming back. We got Trey Donaldson coming back. Got Jalen Williams coming back. I think this is going to be an excellent team, a much better scoring team than we have had over the last few years. We got another transfer named Chad Baker Mazzara, who's a tall, skinny kid who could shoot threes well. I think we're going to be a much better outside shooting team and therefore a much more fun team to watch. The last couple teams have been a little bit of kind of a slog, right? I get it. And so this is going to be more of a fun team, more of an offensive team. Um, I, you know, on the other side, in the long run, we'll see what defense and, and uh, rebounding and stuff. But this team is going to be able to shoot the ball better and make plays, make offensive stuff happen. I'm excited. The season starts tomorrow night. If you're, We're recording this on Monday. So Tuesday evening, mm. November 7th, 9 p.m. Eastern, we play Baylor in South Dakota. It's on of ESPN at 8 p.m. Central on Tuesday night. So definitely watch that game. And then Friday night from Neville Arena at 8 p.m. Eastern, we play Southeastern Louisiana on the SEC Network. So two games this week before we record another podcast or before we see you in Arkansas. And I get Baylor's a top 20 team. That's going to be a serious game. And I think it's going to be a real challenge for us. I'm not – we play a tough non-conference schedule because Bruce wants to challenge this team, mm-hmm. and he wants to have some measuring stick games. We play Notre Dame in a couple of weeks. That'll be fun. They're really good. So uh, this is going to be a tough, but I'm excited, um, and I think this Auburn team is going to be really fun to watch, and I think we're going to be very better. That'll be the first time we play Notre Dame in football or basketball, won't it? I don't know. I feel like maybe we played them in basketball a long time ago, but I'm not positive. I don't but remember. It'll be good. 
Um, why are we playing Baylor in South Dakota? It's some season kickoff thing. I don't know. The the Deadwood Shootout. That's it. Oh, it's wow. something like that. Yeah. You, you have you get extra points for using creative profanity when you shoot the ball or something. Yeah, because it's Deadwood. So top right. of Mount Rushmore. There it is. Like yeah, maybe so. All right, here are the fine folks. Keep our program going as they do. Samuel Salvatore, Carl Von Drunker, Chris and Clinton Stewart, Dr. Crackham, Logan Chilton presenting the Broadway musical Nashville in November, coming soon to... Joe's Barbecue Foot Massage! I don't know, but I take his word for it. Uh, Ann Pridgen, Bill Weathers, Bradley Blackman, David WDE Salmons Esquire, Eric Morgan, Gary Grant, a.k.a. AU Fan at KSC... Uh, if Carol Shelby would have seen Deion Sanders on Saturday, he would have said... I don't speak Italian, but he ain't happy. <laughs> That's so good. <laughs> Matt Flowers, Michael Kirshner, newly minted history PhD candidate, Win Carroll. Way to go, Win. Very good, very good. Nice. I got almost to that point at Auburn before I went to Emory. Phil M. Thor says, as always, I'm on the wrong page. No. This is true. John's performance art is always so good with that. You guys just don't know what you're missing. Uh, Richard Stevens, Steve Trawick, Susan Trawick, Trombone Tiger, Willie Carden, Alex Brown, Ben Bloodworth, Bleeds Orange and Blue, Bob WDE Salmons Esquire, a.k.a. 76 Tigers, Sleazy Shyster, Jones Barbecue Foot Massage. Uh, let's see. Chad McDowell, Chris Hilton celebrating the end of Auburn's potato famine. Because... we got to get better at celebrating. That's right. Chris Thrash, Dan Thompson, Daniel Odom, Earl Ricks, Bobby... Um, Frosty! Harry Zagger. By the way, Frosty, I think, is winning the pick and We'll get to that in just a minute. H-Town Danny, Jacob and Robin Fleming, Catherine England, Kevin Smith, Lane Middleton, Mickey B! No one fights like Gaston, Algorithm and Blues, Paul Miles, Rich Reimer, Rusty Owen, Steve Harlan, Theodore Gary... Todd Robinson, Warhammer 6, WDE Richie, Michigan Stole My Soundboard Choice. Ah, well, that's... There you go. Weagle Weagle, he's upstairs with Boris. Wes Atkinson, William Morgan, Wilson Beard, Winston Body. With the end of daylight savings time, we can now all enjoy watching the sunset as we eat lunch. That's actually true. Auburn Blue, Blake Heron, Boris the Tiger, what... Uh, did you see Boris's uh, outfit he had on John during the week? He, I, I said he not. looked like he was he was looked like he was getting ready to paint a Dutch masterpiece. He had his regal purple robes and his little hat like the like a Dutch painter from the Middle Ages. You know, I'm sure he'd be good at that. Oh, absolutely. He's a tiger of refined taste. He is. He's something. Um, Brandon Smith. I think he's probably going to come on the trip. Brandon Smith, Carter Glaus. He wants that torchies. Corey Smyer, David D., David Simpson. He's probably afraid I'm going to leave him again, too. I still have to hear about that. Dibama at... Jones Barbecue Foot Massage. Still the most popular button on the soundboard for the patrons. Uh, hey, Jared, start warming up the airwolf. Tis basketball season. <laughs> oh, man, I hope there's some episodes left that Jared hadn't seen more than seven or eight times that he can fire up on there. 
Um, oh, I was going to say, let me pause this for just a second because they brought that up. You mentioned the, the last couple of years basketball teams. I think that's a really they're a really good example. The 2022 team was a really good example um, of a team that, when it has a really good front court, can do really well in the regular season. But tournaments are such guard affairs, you know what I mean? And if you don't have the guard play in the tournament, you're, you're just not going to end up doing well. And that's what got us, I think, in 2022 to 2020 to 2022 was yeah was that we just haven't had really good shooting guard play in the last two or three years they have to be able to take control of the game and make plays and i think we had some guys that can do that now yeah i went back and was actually reading some of our basketball book the other day and i was reading about the 2019 team and honestly and i don't say this just to hype it up although hey if it works it works but the i was reading that what we wrote about the 2019 team and how Against Kentucky in the final in the game to go to the Final Four, Kentucky actually kind of took away our three point shooting, and for a long stretch in the second half, it was Jared just slashing, take, slashing to the hole, just take yeah, taking it inside. When they when when they took away our 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 long distance guard, you know, scoring like Bryce, um, we went we went inside the point guard, and we were able to do that. And that hasn't really been there the last couple of years consistently. I, I'm going to tell you, Aiden Hotway, Denver Jones are going to make those plays. Oh, it's going to be, be so that good. stuff. That's going to be so good. Josh Teal, just wait till next year. Kevin Mahan, Luther and Kelly Ottaway, Mandy Thompson, Melissa Blackstone. Oh, we're using our made up names for the book that I'm Spider Man. <laughs> so good. <laughs> Uh, that's a movie quote, I believe. Papa Tide, Patrick Williams, and our one-time and anonymous daughters. <laughs> Pausing the sleaze jokes out of respect for the season, just know I'm still thinking it. Philip Martin, Randall Walker, Rob Morgan, Russell Milling, Sarah Hines, Sasquatch, Shane Bailey, Shannon Butson, Tim Pittman, Timothy, Tony Perry, Wiggle87, Woody the Jag, at the Mad Reaper Pepper Company on Instagram, Alex Wynn, hey, you falling up? I feel like we've got a couple of our old folks back that uh, that I say a certain way. Uh, ben Amos, Ben Regis, Brian Albanese, Charles Mooney, Chris Como, and finally, Chris Braun, Clay Henson, Construction Tiger, Daniel Barnett, Darren Pyle, Elizabeth Donald. Good thing my uh, Auburn fun meter wasn't anchored down by a loss to Vandy. Yeah. <laughs> We uh, get better at celebrating. That's right. I'll buy this for a dollar. James Taylor, Jim McCrory, John Otsuki, Joey Miller, JT Jarhead, Justin Bean, Kenneth Brent Rain, Brent Rain says that the barbecue you have failed me for the last time. AKA Auburn Dad for life. <clears throat> Mark Squire, MVP, captivating Kathy Bright. Your love of the halfling's leaf has clearly slowed your mind. Uh, let's see. My favorite button on the road is pause. I am tiger. And then the soundboard malfunctioned. <laughs> Please clap. There it is. New York tiger says, send the pigs to Jones barbecue. Hold the foot massage. War Eagle. I like it. That's a good one. That took me a minute. Yes. Um, we are playing the, uh, the tastiest, uh, the South Carolina and Arkansas fight over who has the tastiest, uh, mascot, Nick Craig, Paul Bankson, Rich Hammett, Royce Alvarez, Russell Souther, Ruth and Darren Sutherland, Spanky. I'm at the bottom of this soundboard, uh, b- bottom of this list because... God Wilson! God Wilson! Back for a while you can, the monkey boy. 
I forget that scene from Kingdom of Heaven where the Dr. Emilio Lizardo is there. Uh, Sports Illustrated's Auburn Elvis, Stephen Thompson, Steve Bailey, the Slinko family, Tim Sauls, Trevor Johnson, Brent Rumble, plus our one-time and anonymous donors. We thank you all. Go to www.auwishbone.com, become a patron, and also click on the button to get the book. And I encourage you, when that sound clip comes on, the no, no, they're celebrating right in front of me. I encourage you to do your own interpretive. <laughs> along with me. That's so good. Uh, a couple of other things. The Fantasy Formula One rankings, and they've switched back again, John Dengummit. For one week there, Scuderia Toro Plexico had moved into first place ahead of my bitter, bitter rival, Teamy McTeamface. But... He had a slightly better week than I did. We both scored up in the 300s this week, but he had a slightly better week with uh, than I did. And so number one is Timmy McFeam, Team Face. Number two is Scuderia Tour Plexico. There's two races to go, by the way. Then Tiger Transit, Mississippi Racing, Cheeky Nandos, Sir Bacon the First, Albi Mobile, Scuderia Aguila Guerra, Solitaire, and Smokescreen 45. Jared was asking about uh, GTG Racing, and they are currently in 32nd place. Not good. They, like Ferrari, wrecked <laughs> on the formation lap. <laughs> I, you know, I tweeted when that happened, and that, that actually happened, that Charles Leclerc, who was starting on the front row in the number two spot and drove into the wall and crashed on the formation lap, like the pace lap. And I said, you know, I would laugh harder, but at Gateway here in St. Louis a couple of years ago, Will, Will Power drove his car into the wall in the formation lap when they were coming around to start. They do a rolling start. And there was a Corvette pace car that accelerated. And, you know, some you see these videos, right, where sometimes when a really powerful car accelerates too fast, it'll just veer off to the side somehow. And they did. They had a beautiful Corvette, and they accelerated and just ran it right into the concrete wall. So it's it's not as bizarre as it first seems. It is still pretty bizarre, but not quite as bizarre as it first seems. All right, give us the rundown on the college SEC football pick'em contest. So your favorite Sandboard clip, Frosty, still in first place. Frosty! Tied with Bill Miner at 73 correct. Uh, one, one slot behind them, Josh Corbett and Fun Meter Calibration are tied at 72. Wow. And then a group of... Uh, Fans right behind them. Van is uh, five games back at 68, and I'm one behind him at 67 because I picked LSU this week. So we'll see what happens. Wow. A long way to go, but uh, Frosty and Bill Miner are in a strong position. They're really done well, and it's going to be uh, interesting to see what happens down the stretch here. I feel like I didn't make any progress this week because I picked Florida to beat Arkansas. That was probably my biggest mistake. Probably. But I also messed up last week and it had and, and and totally accidentally had us losing to Mississippi State. That hurt because not only picking against Auburn, which I didn't mean to do, but I said all week I thought we were going to win. So you know I didn't mean to pick Mississippi State because I've been saying I kept saying I didn't think they were going to do it. So yeah, that was really frustrating. All right, so there's not a lot left on that either. We have more stuff coming up. And then let's see uh, the 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 SEC pick em. Oh, and guess the game, of course, is on hiatus during the regular. Does it mean you can't send Jared a suggestion? 
Can't, yes. By all means, inundate Jared with suggestions so that when the time comes, he'll have lots of material. Coming up, we've got listener questions and around the SEC, which will be a lot of fun. But first... It is our weekly collection of miscreants, nitwits, and knuckleheads that collectively concentrate and constitute the worst coaches in the world. Getting the bronze this week, Zach Arnett, the head coach of the Mississippi State Bulldogs, took a once exciting Mississippi State program and in less than one season turned them back into Mississippi State. Without Will Rogers, whom they never would have had without Leach to begin with, and that offense, they are pretty woeful. The Silver, Billy Napier. Florida has five wins, but they have LSU in LSU next week. Then they go to Missouri, and then they come home to play Florida State. That's three ranked teams to close out the season. They may not even make it to a bowl game. And now, salt in the wounds, Steve Spurrier has been publicly mocking their offense. Ouch. And when Spurrier mocks you, you have been mocked because he's the mock master. The mock master 5,000, Steve Spurrier. But the gold, John, the gold medal this week... Because you know the rule, if you get fired during the season, you're probably going to be the gold medal winner of worst coaches in the world. Alex Grinch, the USC defensive coordinator, starring in the new holiday production of How the Grinch Stole Money Until Now When We Fired Him. He has been fired by USC, and he, and therefore, by being fired in the season, he automatically goes on list. Automatically, usually at number one. Your your thoughts about Alex Grinch before we wrap up. I'm curious what you think. It, it only about six weeks too late or a season too late. He was terrible last year. He was yeah. terrible every game this year. They should have fired him a long time ago. Um, there are many people who are better defensive coordinators right now than Alex Grinch. Now, some of it is a talent thing. They don't have great guys on their defense, but he is not good and they have wasted the a Heisman returning Heisman trophy can a quarterback yeah you know, so did he win the Heisman at USC or Oklahoma he won the Heisman at USC last year yeah wow and came back and and this year every game is 50 to 49 or 50 to 60 so right I and you'd think they'd learn you come back you never win it the second year no All right, Alex Grinch of USC, you are this week's worst coach in the world. All right, and as always, that awkward transition. Thank you. Order questions to the Prime Minister. It's time for listener questions. Dun, 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 on the AU Wishbone Podcast. Well, I'm not a crook. Uh, what we got this week? 
All right, we got a few. The first one's from Frequent Asker Samuel Salvatore, who says, Hello, guys, in War Eagle. He says, How many more botched calls do we need to witness around the SEC, and not just the Auburn games, the forward progress whistle that cost Arkansas the game when Florida clearly fumbled the ball and was out as the whistle blew, the missed review for targeting from the Alabama player, and, of course, the phantom kick interference in our game. This is embarrassing for the conference, and our commissioner has no accountability, nor do the officials in the office. When will they be held accountable, especially for the mistargeting review that interferes with player safety? Yeah. Do you think of so? This is not his email, but I'm going to ask you a question. Do you think officiating is worse, better, or the same generally in the SEC compared to like five years ago? I, you know, I've always thought it was an, it was frustratingly bad at times. So. I don't know that it's worse. <clears throat> I don't think it's any better, though. It's yes, I, I agree. I think it's inconsistent, right? Which is really frustrating. I think there's some. I think the SEC has a couple of really good officiating crews, and they have a couple that are not as good. And I think when you get one of the, you know, the C team or whatever, you can tell. Um, so. Was it just me, or did it seem like the same guy was the head of every refereeing crew this this weekend? Like every game, the referee come up there and like that's the same guy I was in the last game. They fly him on the Concord. Maybe they're cloning him. Maybe that's hey, the problem. I, right? I, um, so yeah, I, it's it's genetic drift. We found we found the answer to bad refereeing in the SEC. It's caused by genetic drift from the clone dynasty referees. I can't wow. remember which game it was. The, wow, was it the? It wasn't the Ole Miss game. It was the one before that. Maybe like where they called like. 20 reviews during the game and went to the booth to spot the ball and stuff. And I was listening to the Auburn radio broadcast and they were so mad about it. They were just done with it. I, um, I, I you know, when we, when now, it just makes me think now that the problem with the refereeing in the SEC, it's, it's genetic drift. Listen, <laughs> they wish. So, uh, all right, our next email is from uh, Bill Miner. Uh, the title is Road Trip to Arkansas. And he says, guys, enjoy the upcoming trip to Fayetteville. I went there in 2015 to watch Auburn play. It was definitely a gem of a place to oh. visit in the fall with the foliage. Just make sure to check out the main street, which is similar to others, but always fun to patronize the local restaurants. Yeah, that's true. My, my question for you is which other college campus and game day environments to date have you enjoyed the most in your travels to watch Auburn play in the road? I really liked Missouri, except for the way they treated people going into their stadium. But everything else was really cool because you're kind of downtown Columbia. It's just big enough. You know, there's stuff going on and all. Really good pizza place. Ran to a lot of Auburn people down there that were hanging out. That was cool. Um, I mean, I like Athens okay. Um, I was mm -hmm. not impressed with Gainesville that much or Baton Rouge, honestly. Kind of sleazy. Baton Rouge is just sleazy. And I... Um I like um, Columbia. Didn't Miss, Columbia, South Carolina didn't impress me. Starkville, I, I it, Mississippi State is uh, people make fun of it, but it's not terrible. And I liked going to Oxford. I, I had oh, a good time up there. It's a nice little town. So. I know what I enjoyed. We went to Tennessee a couple of times and stayed in uh, Gatlinburg. That was a lot of fun. Now you're up in the mountains in a cabin. You got the hot tub. You know, you got oh, that's a good time. I was no, I'm never, I've never been a big mountain guy. It's like you give me a choice of going to the mountains or going to the beach. I'm going to the beach. All right, that's 100 percent out of 100 percent. But not everybody likes the beach. Some people like to go up in the mountains and the trees and the, you know, it. Here's the difference. You go to me. You go to the beach, and the attraction is there. 
you go to the mountains, you have to manufacture reasons to be there. Like, oh, we got a hot tub, we got a pool table, we got a big TV. You know, there's a place you can ride a cart down the side of the mountain or whatever. You're manufacturing reasons to be there. But that said, some of those are pretty good reasons and a lot of places to eat. And also, I, I enjoy just sitting down on the balcony looking at the countryside, the yeah, full foliage. Yeah, that's true. If you like you some pancakes, man, <laughs> Gatlinburg will hook you up. They will hook you up. You drive uh, drive down the main drag in Gatlinburg. Pancake, pancake, upside down house, pancake, pancake, Titanic exhibit, Ripley's pancake, pancake. Come on. I must say this. If it works out, the next time Auburn goes to Tennessee, that should be our road game that year, I bet. In. In. Gatlinburg cabin. John and Van's AU Wishbone Gatlinburg cabin extravaganza that's we're 100 percent doing that and you know what's funny we'll be doing it within the next four years with the new schedule that's right we will <laughs> all right our next question the last one's from josh corby who says john van i was at the vandy game this weekend and it was awesome to see 90 percent of the stadium orange i have to say our fans know how to properly take over a stadium unlike others in this conference cough cough old miss <laughs> I don't know if y'all have seen the adjusted completion percentages for Thorne in the last two games, but that's a high percentage. Mm-hmm. That drop Omari had across the middle was a beautifully thrown ball, mm-hmm. and the wide receiver just dropped it. This staff knows we have deficiencies in the wide receiver room, but they're letting them prove to the recruits that we're going to throw the ball down the field. Our recruits are probably thinking, I would have caught that and scored. Mm-hmm. I don't have any questions this week. I just want to say War Eagle and bring home a W from the Hogs. Thank yeah. you, Josh Corbin. I like it. Let's do it. Yeah, I'm going to – and I think I'm going to – I was mulling over, do I get the – do I get like the two – you know, the two chicken uh, Jamaican jerk <laughs> tacos with pineapple and cilantro, <laughs> or do I get the carnitas? I'm thinking it's Arkansas. i got to get the carnitas. And, of course, we're going to get the queso, the big queso. Queso is That's that. a lock. Good Lord, that was so good. So the queso, the carnitas, some uh, some uh, Modelo or Dos Equis or so. Oh, man. I, I'm i ready to pack the car right now. I don't need to work the rest okay. of the week. Let's just head on down there. Heck, yeah. Let's do it. All right, I think we're going to take a trip then. Speaking of taking a trip, oh, and you know the other place that we're get, I'm excited us to get to go? Texas. Let's take I, a trip around the SEC. You know, I got plans for our Texas trip. You, get, you might as well get ready for that one, too. I'm ready. Oh, man. All right. What? Let's see. So this past week, uh, Ole Miss beat Texas A&M. That was a game. I enjoyed that. I really enjoyed watching that game. That was a fun game to watch uh, in the, like a tune-up to our game, I believe. I couldn't believe that. Was that like the 11 o'clock game or something? It was the new game, yeah. That's crazy. I know. I, 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 I went to buy um, ingredients for whatever I was fixing, whatever I was cooking, and I got home, and that game was already on. I could, I was like, oh, crap. I thought this was like going to be like the 6 o'clock game. Uh, Tennessee crushed UConn. Nobody cares. Arkansas beat Florida in overtime. I saw that one, too. That was another one that was at a weird time. That was the noon game, too, and competing against Ole Miss and there was And those, both those games were ending. They were really close and competitive down the stretch. Yeah, they were. You know, All in their 30s. Are, All four teams in their 30s. Yeah, and Florida missed a field goal at the end of regulation where they could have won it this yeah. you know, and and A and M missed a field goal at the end that would have sent to overtime. So there you go. Mm-hmm. South Carolina struggle win with the Jacksonville State Gamecocks. Or aren't they hey, listen, both the Gamecocks? The yeah. final score is yeah, they're both the Gamecocks. Chicken act, 30, chickens on chicken action. It was thirty eight twenty eight in the final, but it was really 
31-28. Jacksonville State had the ball. South Carolina got a pick six to seal it. So it was like the the uh, Andre Bruce Georgia Tech thing. It was it. Get a ten point win out of a game you barely even won. You, yeah, you, yeah, that they. I sus- in danger of losing. I suspected as much, yeah. But we can't really say much about almost losing Jacksonville I, State. <laughs> no, and I think it's – I think like South Carolina was celebrating and people were fussing, and he's like, hey, it's a win, and they're not bad. No, absolutely. No, we can testify. Uh, Georgia-Missouri, that was another good game. I mean, Georgia just has that extra gear, though. You know, it's like they don't put the car in that gear very often, but when they really absolutely need to get up that hill – they got that one more gear that nobody else seems to have. And I, I tell you right now, the way it's shaping up, that Alabama-Georgia in Atlanta, I guess, again, is going to be you know another throwdown. Because they Alabama needs to lose twice, don't they, for Ole Miss to get in? I think so, because they beat Ole Miss. Beat them head-to-head. So the, if, yeah. if Alabama loses, they still got the tiebreaker. That's right. So they need to lose twice. So I don't know that's going to happen. I don't know who else Alabama plays besides the – usually this time of year Alabama plays Mississippi State. This is about when Alabama usually plays Mississippi State, right? And um, I don't see that. If that's true, I don't see that happening. They may have already played them, though. But um, They play at Kentucky this weekend yeah. in Chattanooga than us. Uh, well, so they, so Ole, the only way Ole Miss is ever going to get to Atlanta, because it's going away after this year. No, it's not going away. It's just not going to be divisions. Divisions, right? So, so the only way, so the yeah, so the only way Ole Miss is ever going to get to a two-division SEC championship game is if Alabama loses to Kentucky and then loses the Iron Bowl and they win out. Otherwise, they will be the only team in the West that's been here the entire time there's been an SEC championship game. And never made it. never made it. Never, never got a dinner. (laughs) Uh, Aubrey Vanderbilt, we know. Uh, Kentucky beat Mississippi State 24-3. I watched that game highlights this morning, and it was as awful as it sounds. 24-3 is – God, that was, that was bad. And then Alabama beat LSU 42-28, and that was a game that was 21-21 at the half, right? It was a really good game, and then Alabama knocked Jay Daniels out of the game, and that was pretty much it. Mm. So Shocking. I think LSU was going to score 35 at least in this game. And uh, when they knocked him out, that was that was pretty much it. He he was great, and that there was a back and forth. Really, this game and the Washington Southern Cal game run at the same time Saturday night. It was a lot of back and forth, good quarterback play between those four quarterbacks. But once mm. Daniels was out, it was over. Yeah. Um, okay. So coming up Saturday, we'll be at Arkansas. But what'll be going on when we're when we're running around doing stuff? Alabama at Kentucky is the eleven o'clock game. Vandy at South Carolina in the somebody's O has got to go game. That's like winner actually doesn't get shot at midfield. I don't know. Uh, Tennessee at Missouri. That could be interesting. I mean, Tennessee could win that and just kind of make Missouri miserable. This is for second place in the East right here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Don't write Tennessee off just yet, just because Missouri's been on kind of a well, run again, and that, played well. Tennessee has this game, and then they get Georgia in Knoxville next week. Wow. Good heavens. Uh, Auburn at Arkansas is a 3 o'clock central game. Ole Miss at Georgia, 6 o'clock ESPN. I'm really looking forward to seeing that if we can. Mississippi State at A&M, that's going to be a, a butt whooping. unless Not A&M, pleasant. If, if A&M doesn't win that one in a walk, we may have found the – I'll put it this way. If Mississippi State should win this game, I think they'll just fire Jimbo. They'll write him a check right oh. there in midfield. 
they'll dump the money on him out of the back of a truck. Out of the back of a truck and hope it buries him and suffocates him. Uh, And then Florida at LSU. I don't see Florida hanging in that one more than a quarter. Then you're going to get – LSU's going to run away. Yeah. Uh, You have us a non-conference game as we wrap up tonight. Try to pick a non-conference game not in the Auburn viewing window, and it's Michigan at Penn State. Penn State played their best game of the year last week against Maryland, and Michigan coming in with all this you know, distraction stuff where they come in and they generally play Penn State very well, but this is Penn State's shot, so we'll see. Yeah, and Michigan, all that stuff swirling around them, there's just no telling what kind of distraction that will all end up being. All right, remember the basketball team uh, starts up this week, and I just want to remind everybody to – I want you to put the word out there that we back up. Understand me? Yep. We back up. That's it. That's it. And meanwhile, John and I will be driving out to the home of... Joe's Barbecue Foot Massage. Joe's Barbecue Foot Massage. And tacos. (sighs) Got to just get through a few more days, John, and we're going to be out there. You can make it. I think we can do it. Our time is up. We thank you for yours. Where you go, John? Where you go, man? Thanks for listening to the AU Wishbone. Find links to everything we do at www.auwishbone.com. For more Auburn fun, join us on Twitter at auwishbone and at facebook.com slash auwishbone. War Eagle. The AU Wishbone is produced by Van Allen Plexico and John Ringer. Copyright 2020. This has been a White Rocket Entertainment production. Thank you for listening to the AU Wishbone Podcast.